Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show, Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Your host, Brother Kapow. And today I want to talk to you about, hey, what is the curse of the law? You know, you, you read that in the New Testament. Paul writes that in Galatians. Talks about being under the curse of the law. And I kind of want to go over that a little bit because it's not that God's law is cursed, but there is a curse portion to the law for not obeying it in the Old Testament. And when you kind of understand that and you, you get into the, the root of it and you see how it operated in the Old Testament, and that how we are children of faith and of promise through Abraham, Paul beautifully takes that in Galatians and puts that all together for you. Like there's a start in Abraham through faith and through the promise of a seed through Messiah. And then there's this period of time when mankind was under tutelage, under a schoolmaster and being taught while they grew up until the time of Messiah. When Messiah comes, it reverts back to that Abrahamic promise of the seed of Messiah. The other thing I want to point out is like in Galatians, when you read Messiah, Messiah, sometimes it's Messiah Yeshua, you know, Messiah Jesus Christ. A lot of times, um, and I know I do this, you think of Christ, you think of Jesus, the physical Jesus that was here from, you know, AD 4 to, uh, you know, AD 33, his life on earth, blah, blah, blah. But when Paul's writing, it's, it's a much bigger picture. When he says Messiah, it's the messianic plan. It's the God, it's the son of God. It's that, it's that attribute of God. It's God uh, coming down as flesh as Messiah, as the Redeemer, as the Savior. But Messiah is the the full plan of God, the full gospel of God uh, that existed way before when, the, that's why Paul can say the gospel of Christ, of Messiah, was preached through Abraham. Because uh, you might read that and go, who talked about Jesus way back then? Well, it's you got to get your head out of that and go back to, uh, what I want to say, the eternal Christhood, the eternal Messiah, the eternal Son of God that is eternally with God the Father in creation. So it's a much bigger plan. So uh, having said that, let's let's get right into the very beginning. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Now, this is all over the Torah and the Pentateuch. It's, it's all over blessings and curses. So this isn't just one spot. It's all over the place. And, but I'm just going to take you to this little passage here. Deuteronomy 11, chapter 11, verse 26. It says, Behold, God is talking. God is talking to the children of Israel that just uh, are coming, you know, coming out of Egypt. And he says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Okay, so God is clear. Here's, here's two sides of the same coin. Here's a blessing and a curse. And it's pretty simple. There's a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day. Now, um, I apologize. This is Moses speaking in behalf of God to the people of Israel, but this is Moses speaking in behalf of God to the children of Israel. He's a prophet. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day. Now, if you don't know what the Old Testament commandments were, go back and read Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, if you want to. And uh, there's a whole bunch, there's more than just the 10 commandments that we have. There's a whole lifestyle that God had generated for ancient Israel 
because he knew they couldn't be like Abraham. They couldn't be people of faith. It's not, um, it's really not our human nature to have faith in a deity like that. And Abraham did, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And it foreshadowed what he would do through Messiah, through his, his messianic plan to redeem his creation back to himself. But the law was put here to kind of keep, uh, not kind of, to keep ancient Israel in place as his separated people so that the they could be a blessing to the rest of the world so that people could come to Messiah when that time came. And of course, we know the history of ancient Israel. Unfortunately, you know, human nature does this. Uh, they, they failed miserably numerous times uh, to the point where God um, finally, I mean, eventually, that was his plan all the time anyway, to get rid of the old covenant. And there is a new covenant uh, through Messiah. So the law was, a, you know, just impossible uh, for, you know, human nature to, to keep. And you say, well, let's, you know, we blame the people or we can blame the priest or we can blame, but it's, it's the human, it's the human nature. And uh, when the human is deceived by those deceiving forces of wickedness, they do go after other gods and they make up their own imaginations and humans just do their own thing. And they create their own religions and do their own thing. And they just move farther and farther from the true purposes of God as humans. And that's why your heart has to be regenerated without a regenerated heart through Messiah. It's an, it's impossible to please God. You just can't without faith. It's just impossible. So you don't wake up one day and go, Hey, I think I'm going to go, you know, learn more about this uh, God uh, deity that uh, created the world. And it just doesn't happen that way. So there's a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, and that uh, Moses commands stay. And then in verse 28, there's a curse and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God. But turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day and go after other gods, which you have not known. So this is interesting because it's a blessing if you obey all the commands, right? And it's a curse if you don't obey the commands. But then here's this little caveat with it. The, 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 the other part of it is not only are you cursed if you don't obey these commands that I've given you, but you go after other gods, which are not known. So it's related. Going after other gods is related to not obeying the commands of God. Obeying the commands of God is related to not going after other little G gods. You see what I'm saying? It's always idolatry. And that's why I've said before, you've heard me say when you see sexual immorality, uh, it's always a result of idolatry. Uh, look, when you see sexual impropriety in any of your leaders, whether they be religious leaders, political leaders, whatever, you could look and trace it. You'll see the idolatry. You'll see them going after little G gods. And the, you'll never see sexual impropriety when someone is uh, following Yahweh. And um, so in verse 29, and then it says, and it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land where thou uh, goest to possess it that thou shalt put the blessing upon thy, uh, upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. So this is where we get the curse of the law right here. This is, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is, this is, <laughs> this is the scripture you hang your hat on when you go, what, what does, what does it mean? The, the curse of the law. When Paul talks about being under the curse of the law, what is he talking about? He's talking about this instance right here on Mount Gerizim 
uh, which is the blessing. And then the curse was pronounced uh, upon Mount Ebal. And there's a story there, and you could read that story on your own, where the Israelites, uh, certain of the tribes went to one mountain, the other one did the other mountain. And one did the blessing, and the other one confirmed it, said amen, and then the other one stated the curses, and they said amen, they confirmed it. And it was like a confirmation and a covenant uh, of of knowing God had them really understand the difference between the blessing and curses. What's interesting about this, if, if you read this story, the the curse part is so much longer than the blessing part. <laughs> um, so you know, so you know, if you get a chance, read that. It's 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 very interesting. It's an interesting um, deal. But that's where you get the blessing and the curse. And so a lot of times you'll go, well, what happened to ancient Israel? Why did these things happen to them? And why did they get? Uh, under captivity by the Assyrians. Why did the uh, Babylonians come and destroy the temple and take them to Babylon for 70 plus years? Uh, why did the Romans destroy the temple and all Jewish uh, religion, the Mosaic law and, and the ability to even operate in that religion back in AD 70? What was that all about? And it's traced to this. Okay, so Deuteronomy eleven twenty nine, uh, they put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal, and those are the blessings and curses. And you can read all those curses on there. Um, I'm not going to read them to you because, well, curses are curses, and it's what happens. So let's go from there and go to Nehemiah. And like I said, it's all over the Old Testament. You know, you could just you could spend your whole lifetime looking at all this. I'm just picking. Uh, two out of the Old Testament, one of the new, just to kind of show you what the curse of the law is. So now you know where it came from. There's blessings and there's curses for obeying and disobeying. And the disobedience is, you can always see the result of going after other gods. Okay, that's why Yahweh says, I'm a jealous God. I mean, he's your creator, right? You belong to him. You are the vessel he created. Yeah, of course he's jealous. He loves you. He loves that creation. He's done um, a lot of things to redeem you to to him uh, through faith. And yeah, you're not going to go screw around and be a whore and a harlot on him. uh, Just like a woman or a man wouldn't do that to their spouse and get away with that. Uh, You shouldn't as a human, but God, you definitely won't get away with that. Um, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 10. And you know, it, it, what we're here is that uh, the temple had been destroyed in um, 586 BC by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And the Jewish people have been taken captive and they've been in Babylon all these years and stuff. And you can read Daniel, especially Daniel 9, where he realizes he's reading the prophecies of Jeremiah and he goes, hey, it's been 70 years and our people sinned against God and brought a curse upon themselves. I mean, Daniel he realizes the curses. And so he's, he's, especially Daniel 9, he's calling for a prayer of repentance and to repent. So anyway, after um, Nebuchadnezzar is defeated by uh, the Medes and the Persians come in and King Cyrus comes in, uh, this is all history uh, in Daniel. You can read about it. The uh, Several of the Jews were released, and Nehemiah was one of the priests that were released to go back to the land of Judah and, and rebuild the temple. Of course, the temple was nothing like the original temple they built, but still they were allowed to rebuild that temple of God. That's the same temple that 
Herod the Great uh, took 40 years and expanded to this beautiful, beautiful uh, temple and complex. You know, apparently that was just uh, one of, you know, one of the seven wonders of the world that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to there's going to be a time where there's no there's not going to even be a stone here. You're not going to even. You know, you're not going to recognize this place. And sure enough, you know, 40 years later, the Romans totally destroyed that temple. And it's never been rebuilt since. The Mosque of Omar sits on the Temple Mount, but the Jerusalem Temple has never been rebuilt, nor will it ever be rebuilt. And it's impossible to go back to Mosaic Law because that centers around the priesthood, the Levites, the sons of Aaron, and those who were anointed to be priests. That particular thing really was lost back in, I would say, 175 B.C. under uh, Antichius, uh, Epiphanes, uh, when, you know, the Syrian, when um, the high priesthood uh, became a political office rather than one directed by Yahweh. But that's another story. So by the time Jesus comes on scene, it's already all corrupted. And... Um, but before this, <laughs> before all of that, before, uh, you know, Antiochus and all this, here in Nehemiah, he's allowed to go back and rebuild the temple. So in Nehemiah 10, they have all the bloodline of these priests that can do it. See, because it's not just anybody could be a priest, okay? That's why you can't go to your local Baptist church and... Um, you really shouldn't call that guy your shepherd. You shouldn't call that guy pastor because that means he's your shepherd. He's your leader. He's leading you like a shepherd. And you should only have one shepherd, and that's Messiah. Uh, and Messiah even said you shouldn't call no man father because you only have one father, and that's God. So if you're Catholic or, um, I don't know, Lutheran, I don't know what these other ones, they call them fathers, you really shouldn't do that. You know, if you want to call them uh, bishops or teachers or brethren, you know, whatever. But you, you you shouldn't be shepherded by anybody but the Messiah. And and especially if you go to a denomination or church that has a priesthood, like a Catholic priest or um, or anybody, even evangelical churches that act like they're priests. You know, like they're, I don't know, they have a different God calling than you do and they're above you to some sort. So you, you do pay your tithes to them. You do uh, your, your worship to that building, to that organization. Uh, it's, it's not biblical. The, the biblical priesthood came out of the Levites. God established that from the sons of Aaron. They had, their inheritance was God himself. So they didn't have land. They didn't have a portion of land like the other tribes of Israel did. So Israel was commanded to take care of the religious order, the priest, that God set up. They didn't set it up. God set it up. And man didn't set any of this up. God did. So, you know, it was the law that was that was that was given to Moses through uh, by angels, and he was the mediator of that law. And he mediated it, put it together. So, you know, Moses didn't just lay awake at night thinking of this stuff. So the Levites had no land. So when they came into the, the promised land, the rest of Israel were commanded to support that priesthood with their um, offerings and their sacrifices, their tithes, things like that. And the Levites themselves then had to take that and tithe on that to the priesthood, the sons of Aaron. 
And it was a whole system that was set up and through the through the temple. So it was very tight. You couldn't just be willy dilly and just light any kind of incense or any kind of strange fire. There was there was sons of Aaron that died for doing that in the Old Testament. So when it was destroyed in AD 70, it was destroyed. There is no more priesthood. There is no more lineage. There is no more record of who was who. So it's impossible to put that back. So you cannot put that back. And I know there are some denominations out there. There's some Calvary chapels out there who still believe in a third temple. And they'll support these efforts and they get all excited when there's a, an animal sacrifice on, you know, by the temple grounds or something. And, um, you know, they're collecting all the temple wares again to do the temple. And, you know, you can do that all day long, but God's not into that, see, because God destroyed that covenant. There's a new covenant under Messiah. Now, when you go back to the law like that, what you do is you destroy uh, for yourself the work of Messiah in your own life. And you bring the curse on you and you will die and go to hell because you're no longer saved through faith through Messiah. Now you're going back to the law, which cannot save you. It's that simple. So it's... It's dangerous to be legalistic in your mind like that. It's, it's highly dangerous. And you, you have to know who you are in Messiah and who you're not under the curse of the law. So in verse 28 in uh, chapter 10 of Nehemiah, it says, And the rest of the people, the priests, okay, the Levites, and the porters, the singers, these are all the people that worked in the temple, that had, they had separated themselves from the people of the lands, okay, unto the law of God. Uh, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone that had knowledge and having understanding saying, we're going to go back to this land and rebuild our temple. You got to understand the Babylonians took other captivities, other Assyrians and other pagan people and put them in Judea when they conquered that land. That was part of their what they did. That was their policy. So when the Jews went back, when these particular righteous Jews went back to worship Yahweh, they had to separate themselves from the people of the land. There's a good moral story there, right? They had to separate themselves from the world. So verse 29 says they clave, they, they cling to their brethren, their nobles, and they entered into a curse. It's interesting that they entered into a curse and an oath. So they took a, an oath of pre, um, of cursing on themselves and uh and that that oath was to walk in god's law which was mediated or given by moses who who was the servant of god and that oath they took and brought a curse upon themselves if they were not to obey that oath was to observe and do all the commandments of the lord of yahweh their adonai their master okay so right here they're looking at Yahweh, the creator God, as their sovereign. He's not daddy. You know, you, I know this that Abba father and all that stuff, but sometimes we get too loose with that and we start calling him daddy. Like he's our physical earthly father. If you had a good father, if you had a really nice good father and you were raised with a good father, you, you could have a nice view of, of Yahweh as a father. But if you had a bad father, say you had an abusive father, that's going to carry on to your viewpoint of Yahweh if you look at him like a physical earthly father. He's not your physically earthly father. He's your progenitor. He's your father in the sense that you came out of him. He's your progenitor. But he's always your sovereign. He's always your master. 
He's always the king, and you are the son of the king now through Messiah. But he is always the king. You see, he's never daddy. You don't go sit on his lap and, and suck your thumb and, and call him daddy. Um, so these guys, they took a curse upon themselves. If they wouldn't observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, uh, they're Adonai, they're sovereign, and do his judgments and his statutes. Now, th was this a new curse? Let me ask you a question. Was this a new curse they entered into? They entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. Was this a new curse? It was not a new curse. It's the same curse that was I've just talked to you about in uh, Deuteronomy. It's the same curse that was spoken on Ebal. Okay? They just, they took an oath. Let these curses be upon you if we don't walk under the law. And in verse 30 says, and we would not give our daughters. And then it goes and it talks about that law. It goes and talks about that law. He says, and his judgments, his statutes. And then they talk about all these judgments and statutes that if they don't do, they're going to bring a curse on themselves. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's a lot here, but it says, you know, they're not going to give their daughters to the people there, take their, you know, or sons for their daughters from the other people. If uh, people bring food or they sell something on the Holy Sabbath day, they're not going to buy it. Um, they're going to leave the seventh year uh, to, to, for exaction of every debt. Uh, they're going to uh, make ordinances for themselves, charge themselves yearly for a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of God. There's your taking care of the priesthood, the Levites, and, uh, you know, taking care of them because their portion is God. For the showbread, for meat offering, for burnt offering, Sabbaths, new moons, new feasts. You see, this is all law, right? This is all the law. This is under the law. And for the holy things, sin offerings, and make atonement for Israel for all the work. This is all before Messiah. This is all before Messiah Yeshua and God's ultimate plan in bringing Messiah that he, he purposed way before in Abraham through faith. So they're under the law. Our Lord Jesus Christ was born under this law. So this is what they're swearing to do. And they cast the lots. In other words, you know, they drew straws or you know, red bean, black bean, whatever, and for the priests and the Levites and the people. So who's going to bring the wood offering this year? Who's going to do this for the house of God? When they talk about the houses of God, they talk about the temple. They're talking about the appointed place that God said, I will be at that place that I say I'll be at. And they do that year and year, year by year to burn upon the altar of the Lord. That's as it's written in the law, right? Now, is any of you doing this stuff today? Any of you going to a place of worship that you're doing any of this stuff today? I didn't think so. Because we don't do that. We're not under the law anymore. We're not under the law. If you're going to do a little bit of the law, Paul says in Galatians, you got to do all the law. You can't, okay, say the law is 100%. And if you violate the law, you have to violate 100% of the law. Okay, this is not true, but say. So say, you say, well, um, I'm not going to violate uh, Sabbath, so I'm going to keep Sabbath every Saturday or maybe Sunday, depending on what, you know, what your own little brain thinks is best, and I'm going to pay my tithe. So that's that. So then I'm violating 80% of the other law, but 20% of it I'm keeping, and so God's going to honor that. Well, it's that's <laughs> it's not the way it works. 
if you if you feel like you got to be under that law, you've got to do all the law. Then you have to bring your bulls and goats and your turtle doves and uh, your offerings, and you got to support the the, Levit- the Levitical priesthood, which doesn't exist. So you're going to have a real hard time doing the law because it's impossible to do the law. It's impossible. So if you go to a place that even pretends to do a little bit of this. You need to run out the door. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. I know there's a lot of Messianic churches and um, things like that, and they like you know being very Jewish and doing these things. Uh, but you can't be under the law. It's you bring that curse upon yourself because you can't. You're not going to be able to fulfill the law, and you don't need to because you are a child of God through faith. If you're doing the law, you crucify Christ all over again. Um, it, it's. It's, it doesn't work that way. Okay? So as it goes on, it says, here's the other thing in verse 35, and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of the trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you bringing, are you bringing fruits from your backyard to the house of the Lord <clears throat> year after year? You have an apple tree? Are you bringing those first apples? Are you bringing them to your your uh, West Valley Baptist Church? I mean, I don't know. Are you doing that? You're probably not. You're probably not. Because that was under the law. That's what they did. And where is the house of the Lord? Is it the Presbyterian Church? Is that the house of the Lord? Is, uh, is it the Assembly of God Church? Is it the Church of God? Is it the Mormon Tabernacle? Where's the house of God? The house of God was the temple. It doesn't exist. Okay. He dwells, the spirit, see, we're, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's God's spirit now dwells in you as his temple. That's the whole beauty about Messiah. Is it easier? I don't know. Is it harder? I don't know. But it is what he's done. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second. Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. I, I, in some ways, I think it's harder just to have faith. And just to relax into that and just to rest in in his rest. Um, I think sometimes it's harder because human nature, we want to work. We want to do things to earn uh, our salvation, our privilege. And I think sometimes it's harder. And, uh, and then other times, you know, if I did, I've never lived under a system like this. But if you did, I think that would be rather hard to, to do to make sure you kept all of the law. It didn't bring a curse upon yourselves. Obviously, it was so hard the whole nation couldn't do it. Not only once, not twice, but several times. So it wasn't something that was easily done. 
So in verse 36, it says, you know, you got to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle. This is written by the law, the firstlings of our herds, our flocks. They bring to the house of God and the priest and the minister of the house of God. They should bring the first fruit of their dough, their offerings, the fruit, their oil, the wine, on and on and on and on. Look it. And the tithe of our ground. They're going to bring this to the chambers of the house, the temple that they're going to build in Nehemiah's day. It's the house of our God and the tithe, the 10%, the 10% tithe of our ground. So if you're going to tithe to your Baptist church, you're going to bring 10% of whatever you're pulling out of your ground. Probably most of you just have lawns and rocks. I don't know. Maybe you have an apple tree. But you bring it unto the Levites. Well, now you have a problem because there's no Levites. And the same Levites that don't exist today might have the tithe in all the cities of our tillage because they don't have an inheritance, you understand? I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's a horse that needs to be beaten. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes. You get that? The Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chamber of the treasure house. What does that sound like? It sounds like last week when I was talking to you about Malachi 3.8, where they brought a curse on themselves. Write that. Will your man rob God? Right? You bring a curse on yourself. What curse does a man bring on themselves if they don't, if, if, if Malachi was written to the priests that weren't bringing the tithe of the tithes into the house of God. That's exactly what Malachi was talking about. What curse did they bring on themselves? A new curse? No, it was the curse I read to you from Deuteronomy, Mount Ebal. Isn't that, it's the same curse. It's, you're, they're disobeying the law. So in Malachi, the prophet says, will a man rob God? Of course not. That's what I was talking about last week. Money preachers using that to manipulate you using Christian witchcraft to make you feel guilt and shame. I, you know, these, these sessions here are just try. I'm just trying to free you from what the biblical text actually says. So, so you don't get hoodwinked into doing the law. Now, if, you, if, you're, if someone's requiring you to tithe, then they better require you to bring a turtle dove. And they better require you to bring a tenth of all your fruit of your ground to the Levites at the Baptist church. Because obviously Levites are at the Baptist church because that's the house of God. So there must be sons of Aaron there. And they, you better be able to chase the, trace the lineage back. But Jesus isn't there. Your Messiah is not there. Because we, we, we're under a new covenant. So you could do all that, but you're not saved. You're going to spend eternal and hell, eternity in hellfire, but heck, you're going to be religious as all get out while you live here. Good for you. <laughs> you know, it's stupid. It's, it's, it's stupid. So that's, that's what Malachi 3.8 is talking about. Let me read that again. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chambers, and to the treasure, treasure house. Read Malachi 3.8 again. Or listen to, listen to that show I did last week and the show before that to understand what I'm talking about. So, and then the children of God, they bring the corn and all this stuff to the Levi. They do all this stuff to minister and they shall not forsake the house of our God along with the singers. So, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament temple when it's being built. A lot of lessons there to learn. 
but we can't do those things, nor do we do those things. Now, real quick, let's go to Galatians 3, 8. I'm at 31 minutes of the show, but if you have any class whatsoever, you're not getting tired of my voice and you're going, I want to know more. Okay, Galatians 3. Paul writes to the Galatians. New Testament, okay? So Messiah has come. Messiah has died for our sins. Messiah has risen from the grave. Messiah has taken the captives captives. He's defeated death. Messiah now sits on the right hand of Yahweh the Father. Okay? We're not under Old Testament law anymore. The temple at the time of this writing, Paul wrote the temple still existed. Still existed. It wasn't going to be destroyed probably to another you know, who knows how many years? I don't, you know, I don't know what date it was written, but it still existed up till AD 70. But Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, you're, you're idiots. He goes, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who's, who's used Christian magic on you? Christian witchcraft on you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Yeshua, our Messiah, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? In other words, you understood Christ, you, you, you received him by faith, you understood he's the Messiah, but now someone's bewitching you, you're doing something stupid. And he says, this only what I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, how did you get saved? Tithing to the Levitical priesthood, bulls and blood of bulls and goats, washing in the bronze lavar, <laughs> right? Sprinkling. I, I don't even know what all, all the stuff they did in the law. They did a lot of stuff. So Paul saying, "Is is that how? You, is that how you receive the Spirit of God, or or by or by hearing of faith?" by faith, by, by believing in Yahweh's messianic program and believing in his Messiah. He says, are you so, are you such an idiot? Are you such a fool having begun in the spirit of God? And now you're, and you're now made perfect through Christ. But now you say, you say, well, now I want to be made perfect by the flesh, by doing fleshly things, by doing law things by doing religious things like i said before humans love making up religious stuff to do it's it's hard for us to to rest in the spirit of god and that he's done everything are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are ye now made perfect by the flesh have you suffered so many things in vain that it, if it be in vain i mean you already suffered going to messiah you don't get kicked out of synagogues and being looked at as a cult and who's this, right? And now you're going to go back? And <clears throat> verse 5, he says, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. Oh, well, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How is that accomplished? How are these miracles that are worked among you to verify, Right? And minister to spirit. How is that done? Is it by the, by the law, by the blood, by the blood of bulls and goats, or or by faith? By faith. Now here's here's the kicker. Paul 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 puts it all down right here. It says even as Abraham believed, faith. The word is faith. Even as Abraham believed, it's the same Greek word, Greek forty one hundred pastille. 
Even as Abraham faithed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This was way before the law. This was 430 years before Moses was the mediator of the law given to him through angels. Abraham had righteousness, not by the law, but by faith. Okay? Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. There's nothing there about law. It doesn't say you have to know that those who are of the law are the same as the children of Abraham because that's the law wasn't, the promise wasn't given through the law. It was given through Abraham because he believed God and he obeyed God. He did what God, what God told him, he did. He believed it. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that's you and me, through faith. That scripture that said it would justify us through faith was preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Well before Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that same message was preached to Abraham. And here's what it said. In you, Abraham, shall all nations be blessed. Not just Jews, all nations. How was that going to be? Verse 9, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You don't have to be a Jew, folks. You don't have to be a Mexican. You don't have to be uh, Japanese. You just have to have faith. In Yahweh, in your creator God, and what he says, and that his spirit will indwell you, and he'll write the law on your heart. And if you listen to him, you can walk according to that path he has set for you. And you don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to add anything to it. There's nothing you can add to it. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law, Paul goes back to talking to people who are under the works of the law, are under the curse. What curse is he talking about? Is he saying God's law is cursed? He is not saying God's law is cursed. He's not saying the Mosaic law is cursed. He is talking about Deuteronomy. He's talking about the curses stated on Mount Ebal. Blessings on Mount Gerzium, curses on Mount Ebal. The curses, if you don't obey this law, you're under these curses. These bad things will happen to you. For all the people that are under the works of the law are, are, are also under the curse. You have to obey it. Here's why. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So you can't just do one or two things. There are denominations out there like Seventh-day Adventist who are very queer about the seventh day, about the Sabbath. It's on a Saturday and dagnabbit, you've got to, you know, be off on Saturday and do this. And, you know, uh, our, our Christian churches are off on Sunday and dagnabbit, the Sabbath, the Sabbath and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you under that law that you believe you need to observe the Sabbath in order to please God, 
just like tithing to your church to please God, then you need to bring out the bulls and the goats, my friend. You need to bring out your apples from your orchard. You need to do all of the law. Unless you want to call the Apostle Paul a liar and you know more than him, or maybe your shepherd knows more than the Apostle Paul. Maybe because he went to three years of Bible college, he knows more than the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul says, cursed is everyone that doesn't continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Because that was the curse that was pronounced on Mount Ebal. How stupid, how stupid are the Galatians? How stupid are we? How stupid can we be? How, how, what a bunch of idiots we are when we go back to legalistic law. In verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Paul says it is evident. Maybe your shepherd says something different because you're justified if you give, you know, X amount of money and pledge this and work and do this. And, you know, it's the, you just, you, you know, you just work, 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 work in this organization. That's how you please the Lord. No. For the just shall live by faith. Paul didn't make that up. That's Old Testament. The just shall live by faith, not by the law. You are only alive eternal life through your faith in the messianic program of Yahweh, your sovereign. Verse 12, and the law is not of faith. Paul says it right there. The law is not of faith. You can't mix the two. But the man that doeth them shall live in them, okay? You shall live in the law. If you do the law, you have to live in the law. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed you, knucklehead, from the curse of the law. You're a knucklehead. Christ already redeemed you from that curse on Mount Ebal. Are you stupid? You want to go back on Ebal and curse yourself? Do you want to go to Nehemiah and put a curse on yourself if you don't obey all the statutes of God? You want to do that? You want to end up in AD 70? Go, go ahead, but you're not saved because you can't be saved because you can't do both. Look at Christ hath redeemed us, Messiah. Let's, 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 let's say it the way it is. Messiah, the messianic program has redeemed us from the curse of the law. By being made a curse for us on our behalf. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. You see, you see what happened? You have God become flesh, sinless, the only man that could meet the requirements of a holy deity, a holy sovereign, and said, hey, all that stuff on Mount Ebal, I'll take it. I'll take it on on behalf of everybody else. And if they believe that and they believe I've reconciled, they will have eternal life. And with that, you don't go serve other gods. You've been redeemed to your deity. 
Look at verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham, here's why Christ did this, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Yeshua HaMashiach, through Yeshua our Messiah, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That promise of the Spirit of God is through faith. It's not of works of the law. It's through faith. Verse 15, brethren, I speak after the, the manner of men. So now Paul says, look it, I'm talking like, like men. If we do a contract or a covenant and it's confirmed, no one can annul it or you can't add to it. It's a contract, right? So verse 16 says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises, that's the contract, were made to Abraham and his seed. He saith not, and to seeds, as to many, but seed, one, and to thy seed, which is Messiah. See what Paul's saying? There was a contract, a promise given to Abraham about his seed, Messiah. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Messiah, that covenant, that was confirmed to Abraham, check this out. The law mediated by Moses, which was 430 years later, can't disannul that promise that it should make the promise of that effect. The law cannot overcome the promise that was made to Abraham. I guess we could say the same thing. There was a covenant made to Noah that God wouldn't overflow the earth anymore. Well, we're under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't disannul the covenant that God made with Noah. We, sh we still have that covenant that the earth's not going to be overflowed with water. Look, at verse 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more of a promise. You get it? It's not a promise about the seed coming from Abraham that all nations are going to be blessed through Messiah. If the inheritance of the law, it's no longer a promise, but by, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. You see what I mean? The law's not bad, it, 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 it didn't, but it doesn't annul the promise. Verse 19, wherefore then serve the law? That, Paul's asking the Galatians, why are you serving the law? Why, why are you being so bewitched? What, what happened? Why? There's Christian witchcraft going on, people. Paul says it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator, Moses. You see, you see why the law was here? Because of transgressions. Abraham was like the only dude who believed God and it was given to him as righteousness. And God says, through your seed, all nations be blessed. The seed of faith. All other humans weren't like that, dude. <laughs> there wasn't a bunch of Abrahams running around. There was only one. Don't ask me how that happened or how he did it or what, but he believed. And God encountered that righteousness. It had nothing to do with law. But the law had to be given for the rest of mankind who couldn't control themselves because we're human. We have a fallen nature. And in verse 20, Paul says, now a mediator is not a mediator of, of everyone. 
So Moses is not a mediator of everyone. He was a mediator of the law of Moses for the Jewish nation, for Israel. But guess what? Yahweh is the mediator for everyone. It's all about Messiah, folks. It's never about the law. We don't live under the law. Verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? Paul says, God forbid, no way. For if there had been a law, if there could have been a law given, which could have given life, oh, surely righteousness should have been by the law then. If you could have got eternal life through doing the law, then there would have been that. But there wasn't. But the scripture hath concluded. In other words, the, the writings of God, the saints of God have concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Yeshua HaMashiach might be given to them that believe. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that throughout all the scripture, there's a conclusion that everybody, Jew, Gentile, Mexican, women, boys, girls, don't matter, that that promise given by faith through Abraham way back then of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe also. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Before Christ came, we were kept under the law. Why? We were shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Messiah, that we might be justified by faith. In other words, we learned that we could not have eternal life by doing all these things. It held us as a schoolmaster, like just teach us until we got, we got able to become sons. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. You see, we're no longer under there. That's why I'm trying to free you guys that might be under some kind of oppression in your religion. For ye are all the children of God by what? Faith in Messiah, Yeshua. For as many of you have been baptized, what? Not into water, folks. Paul's not talking about water baptism. Let's get the religion out of our stupid brains. Listen to this. For as many of you has been baptized, that means immersed into who? Messiah. Have put on Messiah. It has nothing to do with church ordinances. In fact, if you believe your salvation is dependent upon being baptized or taking the Lord's Supper, then you have put yourself under your own law and you've negated the promise. You, you're trying to disannul the promise of salvation by faith in Messiah because now, well, I have to be water baptized. This is, man, man's making this stuff up. We have, to, honestly, I, I beseech you, Brothers and sisters, let's get out of our human heads, our human thinkings, and get back to the true words of God for truth. That's why Paul opened up this letter. Who, who bewitched you from the truth? What's wrong with you? For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Listen, 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one. Remember, God is one in Christ Jesus. Moses was not the mediator of one. Moses was not the leader of all religions. Either was Joseph Smith. Either was uh, Ellen White or Pope Francis. I'm sorry. Only Yahweh is the leader of one in Messiah, Yeshua. That's it, folks. There's only one. There's not many ways to, to God. There's only one. He's only one. It's very exclusive. It's not through law. It's not through Mormon temple. It's not through Catholic whatever it is that they do, Catholic sanctuaries. It's not through your evangelical church or your money preacher or your Calvary chapels. It's not through your denomination. It's only through the program that Yahweh has established, the Messianic program through Messiah. It's faith that he has provided salvation to you if you believe that he has and that spirit of God indwells you. And he then he writes upon your, your, your human brain, your stupidity. He changes your stupidity and writes the law of God on it. And then you do what he is commanding you to do. Because his spirit indwells you. You are the temple. Paul says later, don't you know you're the temple of God? So you should pay tithes to yourselves. You should work for yourselves as unto God. At verse 29, and if ye be Messiahs, then are ye Abraham's seed. And guess what? Your heirs according to the promise. And then I'll stop here. But in chapter four, he goes on, he talks about what's the difference between an heir, a kid in school, and one who gets out of school and becomes a son. Book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul. He knew a lot of stuff, didn't he? All right, that's it for today. I hope this helps somebody. Um, if you don't understand what I'm saying, listen to it again, listen to it again. Read some of those scriptures. Understand the curse of the law. We're not under the curse of the law because Christ became cursed for us. But if we go back to the law, we curse ourselves because we have to obey all the law. That's the bottom line. Why be bewitched? Why be foolish? Let's, let's move forward in Messiah. Let's, let's study the real truth there. All right. Good night. We'll talk to you next week, Lord willing.